coordinator at the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherburne. Spirit of life and love and all things we know to be connected, today we commune with each other through the cameras on our screens, the monitors on our desks, and the microphones on our devices. Together we come into this moment with our hearts full and heavy, our eyes soft and seeking, and our ideas of a future vast and unknown. Spirit of love, on this day of worship, we come together to celebrate the voices of the young people in our congregation. We honor the stories they tell, the incredible lives they lead, the battles they face, and the joy they bring. As the world around us reveals its cracks and complications, we are compelled to stop and listen. Our young people on the cusp of their adulthood have had their futures put on hold. Schools close their doors indefinitely, jobs become scarce, and milestones lost to quarantine. So let us pause today together and make space for the kind of community that sustains us through even the darkest of times. Let us sit together apart and attend to our youth, the stewards of our collective future, shining their light brightly into the unknown. Thank you, India. Good morning, everybody. I just have a few announcements before we continue with our worship. Uh, number one, as always, we're recording this, so it'll be up on our Facebook page later on today and on our YouTube channel. Switch to the gallery view, which is in the upper right-hand corner, so you can see everybody when we greet one another in a moment. Grab a chalice. Um, it can be an actual one. It can be one on your phone, there's an app for that, of course. Um, as always, uh, look for the weekly email. Actually, we have several weekly emails now. The one tomorrow, Monday, will tell you about the things happening this week. Um, one of those is the, uh, actually tonight, is the State of EUAC with myself and Allison Murchison, who is our board president. And we're gonna share about um, what's coming up in the spring um, about future programming, about future worship, and about finances. So I invite you to please come to that. The uh, link will be, is actually in the email already this morning, so you can see that. On Tuesdays, we have lunch with the ministers from 12 to 1. We have story time um, with our children and families on Tuesday night. And then Thursday nights together, which is a new program we're offering. Last week was uh, Theology on Tap, and Emily is going to be leading the session, a different kind of session, on Thursday evening. Um, as always, I invite you to stay for a virtual coffee hour after worship is over. Um, I invite you especially to stay for that because even if, you know, kind of talking more on the screen is, uh, is, is tough and we all know that it can be, it's also a way for you to connect with other people, to show up for 
for each other. So uh, come for yourself and stay for others is what we'd like to invite you to do. Um, it's the last couple of things. Everyone is on mute. So uh, the speakers who are going to be speaking this morning uh, will have to unmute themselves. Check your emails. If you are a visitor this morning, fill out the visitor form, which is in the chat box. Oh, and last but not least, stick around for a very cool surprise at the end of the service. So don't leave before that happens. You'll know when it happens. All right, with that, my friends, go to Gallery View and wave to each other through the digital atmosphere.
trying to find these perfect places. What the heck are perfect places anyway? I now invite you to join us in our opening words that are will be displayed on your screen. As frozen earth holds the determined seed. This sacred space holds our weariness, our worry. Our laughter and our celebration. Let us bring seed and soul into the light of thought, the warmth of community, and the hope of love. Let us see together, hear together, love together. Let, Let us, us worship. worship. Good morning, everyone. I invite you now to join in singing our hymn, Fire of Commitment, which uh, is led this morning by Emma Paul, and the words will be in the chat box.
Okay, now it's time to light our chalice and I invite anyone who has a chalice at home to light theirs with me. Okay, and now we will say our covenant and um, the words will appear in the chat box. We say together, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek truth in love and to help one another. member of the senior youth group here at UUIC or here online at UUIC. Um, so the theme of the service today, the theme of the service is what it's like to be a young person in this world. Um, so I, I would, I'm going to invite all of our young people to scooch forward in their screens to um, join me in our wonder box or wonder basket, which I do not actually have with me, which, hold on a second. Sorry. That was some poor playing on my part. I apologize. <laughs> Have it now. <laughs> um, so this week I'm doing the Wonder Box instead of Heather because youth service, so youth. Um, uh, so we're gonna be using the chat box for the Wonder Basket today. So parents and kids, get your typing fingers ready because I'd love some responses. Um, so, some people say that kids can't do important things. Do we think that's true? I don't think so. Um, but being kids, what can't we do or do as well as adults? What can't we do or do as well as adults? Yeah, we can't vote or drive. We can't parent. We can't eat cookies for breakfast. Well, <laughs> yeah, we yeah we can't eat cookies for breakfast. I'm seeing a lot of driving and voting. Um, can't use power tools. Read. Some yeah, speak up. We can't do that as well as adults can. 
pay taxes. I mean, I'm not complaining about that one. We can't take out a mortgage. Again, not complaining. Um, we can't benefit as much as from experience. We can't jump as high. Yeah, these are all like, we can't run for president. Yeah, this is so annoying. Um, so I would invite someone to take out the whatever's in the wonder basket, but I don't think it's possible for someone to reach through the screen yet. So I'm just gonna do it for us and pretend someone else is doing it. So in here we have a car. So adults can drive cars, but what can kids do? Well, we can play with these toy cars. And I apologize for my brother to, for stealing this, but we can play with these toy cars. Um, so what else can't adults do or do well kids can? What else can, what, what can't adults do or do as well as kids? Imagine, yeah, can't, can't have fun as well as us, that's for sure. Yeah, you can't run as fast, fit into smaller spaces. Magic, uh-huh. Suspend reality, enjoy the little things, remember names. I'm seeing so many good ones. Climb, dance without being embarrassed. Oh yeah, scream in public, I agree. Be as hopeful, play video games as well. Be flexible, learn new things. Wow, these are all such really good things. Um, so we can all do different things. Like grown-ups, they can like drive cars and pay taxes. And kids, we can like learn new languages, imagine a different world, deal with technology. And we wanna celebrate like these differences. Um, and although we can't do everything, we can do something. And that something is never nothing. Thank you, Ray. <clears throat> I've got a whole list in my mind of all the things I can and can't do now. <clears throat> and from Ray's words and all the beautiful voices this morning, let us uh, invite us to, uh, to find our center wherever we're sitting or standing this morning. Let us take a deep breath together. Feel the air in our lungs and the pulse in our bodies. Notice what we're feeling. And as we find our center, we begin by singing our prayer hymn, Spirit of Life. The lyrics will be in our chat box as usual.
Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Kathleen. This is the time in our service where every week we put down, um, we think of, and we lift up all of those people who we love um, for our prayers, remembering that the way that uh, I often think of prayer is prayer does not change things, but prayer changes people so that people can change things. So I invite us first to lift up all of those um, who we love, who we're worried about, and thinking of this week, our loved ones. And just please put them in the chat box. And as all of these continue to pour in, Emily will light a candle for us, for all these and more. And as she does, I invite us now to put into the chat box our prayers for the world, extending beyond the circle of our families and friends, for the healthcare workers, the nurses, the doctors, ambulance drivers. Our arms and our hearts and the spirit of our community extends to all of these people who are reading together. And last but not least, and Emily will light a candle for all of these. And also last but not least, so important to lift up our gratitude in this season that we're in to hold on to what we notice and appreciate so please put those down so that others can, can see, can see us hold the light on all that is good.
And as these continue to pour in, Emily will light a candle and then lead us in a prayer together. Friends, will you pray with me? Spirit of life and that which holds all, hear these prayers today. Hear the prayers of our youth whose schools are closed for the rest of the year, who miss their friends and their teachers, whose futures may feel like they have been put on indefinite hold, who are struggling to make meaning of this strange time. And hear the prayers of our parents and families who are mourning the loss of in-person milestones like graduation and prom, who work hard to support the online learning of their children at home, who wish they could save their kids from the grief and disappointment that has become all too common in this time of crisis. And hear the prayers of all of us who have grown weary of social distancing, who may be apprehensive and agitated at the premature reopening of our country, who wait in frustration and fear for what the future may hold. May we be reminded that we are bound together in our suffering, but also in our survival. May we remember our belonging in the interdependent web of all existence. May we know that our love for our children, each other, and the world holds far, far greater power than fear. And may that love guide our steps as we support the future of our children, support their dreams, and support the life of this earth that they are inheriting. May it be so. Let us now be still together.
Okay, so today I'll be reading The Road We Travel Together by Nick Cable. I've always had a tough time falling asleep. As a child, I was skeptical about the whole idea of sleep. I thought, who needs it anyway? Can't we just be awake all the time? Isn't that what life is all about? So it is not surprising that when my now mother-in-law asked me a few years ago whether I was a morning person or a night person, I responded simply and with great enthusiasm, I'm a people person. I love being with people in religious and secular contexts, participating in fun, social justice, and community service activities. There is always something meaningful to be done. Sleep, on the other hand, has always seemed like such a waste of time. A third of our lives right down the train in a state of lethargic inaction. However, as I have grown into a young man, I realize that something magical happens in the time just before and during sleep. We are offered a rare opportunity to sort through the noisiness and distractions of our lives to arrive at a place where we can hear the silent prayers of our hearts and of the world. And I believe it's in this silence before sleep that we are able to touch the most authentic piece of our identities and of our dreams for the future. As young adults, we live in a precarious time when our identities and dreams for the future are clouded by half-fulfilled slash half-crushed dreams of past generations. We are bombarded by warring expectations about how we should live our lives and what we should do to benefit the social order. However, among all my experiences with friends from school and work, from church and my neighborhood, I see a pattern in these young dreams and deep prayers. Our dream is not just to take Robert Frost's road less traveled, but to proclaim that this is the road we must travel together. We dream and pray for a new way of being in relationship with one another, both in our churches and in all communities we engage with locally, nationally, and internationally. As young people, we are reimagining the kind of world we seek to create together in the 21st century. For we are the dreamers of dreams that have been passed down for millennia, dreams that affirm an eternal belief in a world that is yet to be created, but is surely emerging around us every day. We have faith in a world that celebrates the diversity and sacredness of life and works towards the liberation and happiness of all. Unitarian Universalist young adults are engaging in the important conversations about how our identities as individuals and as a faith community must ignite in us an urge to dream a little bigger, pray a little louder, and cherish those few moments before sleep when we can touch the divinity within our hearts and in the world. How do we inherit a broken world as young people? Do you remember what it was like to grow up? Being a young person in today's world is really tough, even when, especially when, life is going as normal because then we have to deal with a lot more people and, ew, people? The amount of double standards for young people makes it nearly impossible to know what's right. In the classroom, I'm expected to act like an adult, but I'm treated like a child. By the time I got to high school, I had my opinions on our world, on politics, on human rights, the state of the earth, etc. But I cannot vote to change things, and adults will often discount the opinions of young people as being uninformed or naive, which makes it even harder to speak up. So teenagers are left knowing about the horrible state of the world without being able to do anything about it. In January, my school held something called Challenge Day. 
It was a day about breaking down stereotypes and doing something other than taking notes. Crazy concept, right? There was one activity called cross the line. If a statement applied to you, you would cross the line, and the statements all noted characteristics that put people at a disadvantage in America. The very first one was, if you are under the age of 18. Not being considered an adult in the public eye is so limiting. Adultism is defined as prejudice and accompanying systematic discrimination against young people, and it is everywhere, which is interesting because every person on this planet was once under the age of 18. I've experienced many teachers who ignore the opinions of students, especially if they don't know us well. I had a teacher last year who seemed to love this one phrase that I absolutely hate, in the real world. There is nothing more condescending to say to someone young, especially if they're struggling with self-worth as many teenagers are. When I hear this phrase, what I hear is that school is not part of modern society and that being human starts after you graduate high school. We as teenagers have more access to media now than ever before. This is the real world. We are aware. How do we inherit a broken world when there's dramatic change all around us? How do we inherit a broken world when there is so much left to heal? March is one of those weird in-between months. We usually associate it with the start of spring, but generally in New England, it's kind of slushy and has a little bit of rain, a little bit of snow, and maybe sometimes there's some warmer days, so we have false hope. But March, typically very indecisive, did something out of character this year. She made a decision. Global pandemic! <laughs> It looks cool on our headlines, but maybe not so cool in our lives. For young people, everything has stopped. Our routines have changed or are gone. The structure of those routines kept us moving forward and stable, but now here we are. How do you feel now? I know we're all feeling something. I have so many people in my life who are struggling with depression and loneliness and anxiety and anger and stress and fear that outweighs their compassion. Oh, me? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I can talk about whatever you want. I'm here. When I learned that schools would be closed until April 7th, I felt this immense sense of overwhelm and claustrophobia. All of these emotions came unraveled all at once and I couldn't stop them. And I, I felt hopeless and I, I don't feel hopeless a lot. I'm not a hopeless person and yet I'm scared for me and for you and I'm scared for the world. How can we handle another problem on top of all that is still left to fix. But I should stay positive. It'll help me and everyone around me. So many people are struggling worse than me. 
change doesn't just pick and choose. Huge change like this stirs up everything. It forces me to face the parts of myself that I've bottled up or pushed aside because I was too busy to face them or because they didn't fit in my routine. Routines can be great for productivity, but it's rare to find a stop and smell the roses bullet on your to-do list. Or even more scarce are the let myself feel sad and do nothing, or the let myself cry. These are almost never on my to-do list. As a teen who is so often told that teens are being too dramatic, I actively work against that stereotype. Yeah, that's right, I'm mature. <laughs> but I also think that I am intensely sensitive to the people and feelings around me, but I'm scared to let that show for fear of being mistaken as just being a teenager. How do we inherit a broken world when the problems we face are so enormous and complicated? How do we inherit this world when we struggle to even talk about it? The first time I learned about climate change was in second grade, but it definitely didn't stop there. Each year since second grade, my science curriculum covered at some point climate change. We learned about the greenhouse effect and how CO2 was a major contributor to this problem. We learned that we produced a lot of CO2. It comes from driving cars and lighting our homes. We learned that trees took CO2 from the air and made oxygen, and therefore trees are extremely important. So for a long time, the solutions I saw to this problem a problem presented as constant and never ending, were to walk and ride bikes, turn off all the lights when the sun shone and plant trees. I did these things whenever I could and whenever I remembered, except I don't think I've ever planted a tree because where should I do that exactly? In seventh grade, along with the regular climate change curriculum, my teacher also gave us a project, um, find an invention meant to stop climate change. I spent some time exploring Google and eventually I found a proposal for a boat that somehow reduced CO2 quantities. I don't remember much about this creation except for the image. It was a big white sailboat and it was sucking CO2 emissions from the atmosphere somehow. I was intrigued at first but I quickly grew bored. The whole class was disinterested. To us, this was just another boring, lengthy assignment. And climate change was just something we learned about in school. Because in school, they never showed us how climate change was affecting people or how it was going to affect our generation. Climate change is bigger than any of us, my classes seemed to tell us. It's too big for any of us to stop it. So ride your bike, walk to school, turn off the lights, and maybe we'll help the polar bears. Reflecting now on the repetitiveness of these classes 
makes me angry and frustrated. But that was all I knew and all that my peers knew and all that my teachers were assigned to teach us. I find hope in the power of young people, in the marches organized entirely by youth, the displays of art filled with message of a better tomorrow. And at times like these, that message of a better tomorrow is what gets me through the day. In our UU community, I notice the acknowledgement that our elders give and I thank you for it. You notice how hard it is to be young when being young is considered a disadvantage. If there is an antonym for adultism, it is our UU congregation. I know that I am preaching to the choir. I wish there were more places like this one. Places where everyone's opinions matter and learning is valued. This congregation makes me so hopeful. Not simply because I believe that what we fight for is right, but because we so try so hard to both learn and teach. So, I am asking you to educate others about one more thing. Could you tell other adults in your life to listen to young people, no matter how naive they think we are? To assume that we do know something rather than assuming we don't, even if we do have to ask for clarification? Ask them to take us seriously, because we have proven our merit. In recent years, the amount of demonstrations where young adults are at the forefront has become so prevalent. The women's marches, the March for Our Lives, the March for Science, climate strikes, pride parades, that's just in the United States. Look at Malala, Greta Thunberg, Billie Eilish, I could go on and on. We are doing great things. We are a generation that will leave our mark on the world. Children are the future. Youth are able to bridge the gap between thinking seriously and having fun. Everyone has a little inner kid that is so creative and so energetic and so resilient. And adults are confident, smart, and responsible. Young adults. Young adults bridge that gap. We take the best qualities of both and we can think outside the box and, and be powerful. We inherit a broken world by mending the broken system of adultism. No one person is responsible for adultism, but every person is responsible to end it. By listening, being innovative, being loud, and most of all, by having hope. As mature as I feel like I have to be, I can't help but feel sad. My sadness comes from all over my friends, my family, and I even have sadness from the world. As hard as it may be, March made her decision and she wants you to feel. In quarantine, I'm forced to feel and I continue to be scared to feel. But there's nowhere to run. All of these suppressed emotions have unspooled from their tight ball of yarn and I'm tangled up inside of them. And now I feel like the stereotypical teen that I keep trying to run away from. All of this and. When I learned to make room for these hard emotions, I somehow learned to be even more compassionate in these difficult times. 
and I realize as much as teens can seem dramatic, I think our passion is what makes us powerful. Young people have the power to be completely vulnerable when we let ourselves feel. And by allowing ourselves and others to feel fully and deeply, it brings our inherent empathy forward, our inherent empathy. This passion is what drives us to want to change the world. Here is where my hope lies. If we can trust ourselves to be vulnerable and feel what we have not yet allowed ourselves to feel, I hope deep compassion will surface. Permit yourself to be young and passionate during this crazy time, because how are we supposed to empathize when we do not yet recognize what is inside of ourselves? Our current world is not craving stoic and mature. It's craving connection and love. We are all going through a connected loss and trauma right now. It's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to be dramatic. I hope we will use this compassion and love that we learn from engaging with these hard feelings and we bring that out into the world. I hope we can understand the beauty of the unraveled yarn and instead of trying to spool it back up, we knit it into something wonderful. We inherit a broken world by making space for ourselves and others to feel. We inherit a broken world by letting our inner teenagers' soulful compassion and love lead the change. I resolved early on to see as much of the natural world as I could before it was forever changed by global warming. I would see vibrant coral reefs and wintry forests and rich rainforests and quiet mountains. Climate change was unstoppable. Soon our world would be forever altered. It was sad, but the truth, so I accepted it. Until recently. Last summer, while I was working at Roe, a UU camp many of you have heard about from Reverend Heather, my eyes were opened. Roe has a way of gently removing the layers of protection that we build around ourselves to deal with the stress of daily lives. Being there helps me to be less fearful and indifferent. And every time I return from Roe, I feel more in touch with my emotions and my values and my beliefs. So with the Roe effect well in place, I discovered that the Arctic was burning and I couldn't reconcile it. How could the Arctic, which is just ice as far as I know, be on fire? It scared me. We are so helpless to this issue because if ice and cold can't stop fire, then what can? Nothing I had ever heard could solve this. Not biking or walking, turning off the lights or building an anti-CO2 boat. This was a result of climate change and it was terrifying. Fast forward one month and I'm entering my junior year of high school and this fear has not left. In fact, my fear for the future was joined by anger that this, the Arctic, climate change, 
was not a louder conversation. How was it that I had been learning about climate change for nearly 10 years, and yet the best solution I had seen were the wind turbines on Cape Cod? It wasn't long though before India introduced SYG to the Sunrise Movement, a self-described army of young people fighting to stop climate change. We drove into Boston together to attend a hub meeting, and the following weekend, I went into Boston again, alone this time to attend the training. We talked about the Sunrise Principles and how this movement organized with people from all walks of life at its core. And we discussed previous social movements like the Civil Rights Movement and what we can learn from them. For the first time, I felt like there was hope for solving this crisis. Within our small training of 15 people that weekend, we started to get to know one another and to grow together. Then again, when I went to another Sunrise training, this time in DC, with people from across the country. And again, during mass calls and breakout rooms via Zoom. By creating a community to support one another, we are learning how climate change is affecting people in our communities, as well as those across the country. When we can find community and joy in this fight, we can make progress in a way that is impossible as individuals. Together, we can end the climate crisis. We inherit this broken world with hope and with joy. We inherit this world together.
Today our offering will be going to the Sunrise Movement. I'm pleased to invite Simon Metcalf to our service today, who will, sp who will speak to the incredible youth-led climate justice work that Sunrise does. Alongside his volunteer work with Sunrise, Simon also is a high school teacher and grew up in a UU congregation in Western Massachusetts. Simon. Thank you, India. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here with you at the end of Earth Week. My name is Simon Metcalf, and as India said, I am a volunteer with the Sunrise Movement. I was one of the trainers at IFA's uh, training uh, in October, and I'm honored to give the offertory today. As India mentioned, I am a Unitarian myself. Uh, I grew up attending the UU Society of Northampton in Florence. Uh, I really got a lot out of my time in youth group, and the youth service was always a special experience, so I'm particularly touched to be here this week. I think YRUU is a great program for young people, and it is one of the main experiences I draw on now in my job as a teacher when I try to create a supportive environment for my students. But I'm here today to talk about Sunrise, so let me put my Sunrise hat on. Uh, Sunrise is a movement to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. We are a movement of young people and we have over 300 local hubs across the 50 states, Washington DC, and Puerto Rico. Sunrise is fighting for a wholesale societal transformation we call the Green New Deal that includes not only green energy, but also healthcare, housing, education, and dignified employment for all. We fight for these things because the science tells us that only a massive effort can spare us from a terrible future, because we know that climate justice is inextricably bound to a broader social justice, and because we believe we can do more than just hope for this decade to be incrementally better than the last one. Rather, we believe that our generation and the next generations can live in a truly verdant and equitable world. We believe these things when we are together, though it is sometimes hard to believe them when we are alone. I got involved in climate organizing when I was 19 and it was tough. There weren't many of us, we didn't have a playbook, and when the thing that brings you together is concern about the end of the world, there tends to be a gloomy vibe. We would convene, worry about the future, wage campaigns, and lose. We lost to coal companies, pipelines, energy commissions, banks, legislatures, and university endowments. In a way, the variety and clout of the groups that beat us speaks to the scope of the challenge we face. But the broader fight is one that none of us can afford to lose, so we would pick ourselves up and do it again. We were hungry for new ideas and tried a variety of tactics and messages. Each reinvention taught us something. In 2015, I heard that some of the best climate organizers of my generation were collaborating on a new project, and after a year of work, they launched Sunrise. In Sunrise, they took the hard-won lessons of our past campaigns and folded them into a vibrant, hopeful movement centered on compassion and solidarity. Sunrise has inspired thousands of young people to start organizing and to care for each other while they do it. The growth of this movement, the coordination across the country, and the goodwill and open-heartedness of its members are unlike anything I've experienced before, and for the first time give me real hope that we can beat this thing. I think climate change holds lessons for the health crisis of our current moment. Even today, with all our knowledge and technology, we can still be overwhelmed by forces larger than ourselves. Just because a scientific prediction is more severe than what we've experienced in the past does not mean it's inaccurate. Things we cherish can be unexpectedly ephemeral. 
But what this moment can teach us about climate change is that when we are rallied to a noble cause, we can make big changes and we can do it fast. In many ways, I think my upbringing in the UU is what drew me to activism. Our faith is deeply concerned with justice. While the UU principle most transparently connected to Sunrise may be the seventh, respect for the interdependent web of all existence, I believe that the core of Sunrise's work is a belief in the first principle, the inherent worth and dignity of every human being. Perhaps you, like me, were hoping to support Sunrise and the broader climate and environmental movement by going out for the 50th celebration of Earth Day this past week. Instead, most of us were at home. In the last month, Sunrise has rapidly taken our movement online. Our focus has been sharing skills and building connections so that we are all uh, even stronger when the quarantine ends. We will be back in the streets, but until then, and if you are able in this uncertain time, please consider supporting the work being done by Sunrisers, including these wonderful youth. Thank you. Thank you so much, Simon. So we are now collecting our offering through Realm. You will see a slide with instructions on how to give and the direct link to Realm will be in the chat box to your right. Please designate whether you'd like to uh, give your donation toward your pledge or toward the offering recipient today. This information will be posted again at the end of the service and thank you always, always for your generosity. And please note also that many churches use Realm for online giving, especially now. So Sunday mornings can be very busy for their website. If you get a message that says their system is busy right now, just be patient and try again later. Thank you all again so much for your generosity.
Now, friends, um, I invite you all to put your hands to the side of your screen so we can all hold hands virtually and say our call to ministry together. We go forth into the world in peace to act with works of love, to affirm each person's dignity, and to cherish the living earth. Dear ones, we all grow up and into this world never knowing what joys and sorrows lay in our path. Let us go forward into this time of uncertainty with tender and open hearts that remind us to keep our youthful passions alive. Surrender your defenses. Your, you'll understand when you're older responses, your eyes rolled at perceived naivety. You're pushing away of vulnerability. This wonderful world around us heaves collectively with, with each moment of suffering and shakes ecstatically with every joyous celebration, every patient declared recovered, every life saved, every laugh fell deep in our guts. May we strike, organize, and build community together. Let us tend to our natural world for the sake of ourselves and for each other so that our youth may see their futures clearly in a world we build together.